Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Jonathan Robinson. Jonathan is a psychotherapist, speaker, and best-selling author of several books, including More Love, Less Conflict, a communication playbook for couples. Today, he's going to teach us specific strategies to help us better communicate with and understand the people we love so that we can have more love in our relationships. Jonathan, can you tell me a little bit about your background and the work that you do? And and, and then I want to talk a little bit about your book. So let's just let's start there and then we'll talk about the book. Sure. Uh, you know, my background, luckily I was blessed with having an incredibly unhappy, difficult childhood. Uh, I call that a blessing pretty much because that got me searching at a very young age. By the time I was 11, I was reading self-help books, and by 12, I was meditating and doing self-hypnosis and really got into what actually works in the field of relationships, happiness, depression, self-help spirituality, all that stuff. And uh, eventually, if you do that, you find some stuff that works and kind of healed myself first. I found that other people uh, benefited from some of the methods I was using. And that led to writing. And from writing uh, for my first four books, Oprah liked my books and had me on her show. And that (laughs) took off, you know. And so that's how it kind of all snowballed. That's it's awesome. Can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you were healing from? And then maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the things that you discovered that helped you heal those things. Yeah, well, I was very, very shy and depressed, partly because I had a, a stepfather that was kind of a rageaholic, and sometimes he'd beat me and my brothers and sisters. And it was just very violent and loud in my family. So I kind of shut down. And, you know, by the time I'm 12, I'm like suicidal and the whole bit. So I I wanted to see, well, no matter what's going on in life, how can you still be happy and sane and uh, peaceful, which is a good a good um, foundation for life because you can't control a lot of things in life. Uh, so if you can find peace within, if you can find love, no matter what's going on, then, you know, you're pretty much set. So as I went through maybe 300 self-help books, I found that, you know, maybe 90% of them were kind of full of crap or I couldn't do what they suggested. But every now and then I found something that really, really worked incredibly well and incredibly quickly. So I took note of those things. And, you know, I still use some of those tools because once you find something that works for you, you have a friend for life. Yeah, I definitely can think of some of those things in my life and I'd be happy to share them. What were some of those things that really resonated with you and you still use? Well, first of all, I think meditation. Now, meditation is a big word that can mean almost anything nowadays, but finding some simple way to find peace within. And I started meditating an hour a day when I was 14, and I haven't stopped doing that. I'm now 58. So um, certainly meditation is one aspect. But another aspect has been how to communicate in a way that gets people to like you, uh, gets people to feel loving towards you, and also gets people to do what you want. Um, I saw that really good communicators could win friends, they could, you know, get the business deal. So I became a a, um, student of that. And I went from basically not being able to speak to being able to speak to 10,000 people at big rallies really easily. And my, uh, my book, More Love, Less Conflict, is, is kind of the, the, the best, simplest methods I came across that generally can be done in under 30 seconds that can just transform your communication abilities. And the book 
you said the title is more love, less conflict, but you the, the subtitle is a communication playbook for couples. And so you talked about, there's a bunch of tools in there. Can you talk us through some of the tools that, that are in the book and how people can use them to immediately improve the quality of their life and relationships? Sure. Uh, there's like 40 tools in there. So uh, throughout our interview, we'll, we'll sprinkle them in um, and even try a couple on air if you want, because I think people will get a better sense of them. But know that, you know, there's a tool for every situation, for every <laughs> every possibility. Uh, we'll get to three or four and then there'll be a lot left. Um, one one tool that I think is really underutilized and is so ridiculously simple that I'll mention it right off the bat is uh, being able to appreciate people effectively. You know, the best predictor of how happy a marriage is or a partnership is the number of appreciations partners give to each other. Now, I'm kind of lazy and and get busy, so I actually have Siri on my iPhone remind me every day to tell an appreciation to my wife because, you know, that's where I'm at. But that that has actually worked. Now, the appreciations have to be sincere, uh, but basically all you have to do is finish the sentence Something I've noticed about you that I really appreciate is. So, Christopher, we've known each other about eight minutes, and already I can pretty easily complete that sentence. I'm already thinking, oh, this guy's really relaxed and curious and a good interviewer. So something I noticed about you that I appreciate is that you're relaxed, you're very personable and a, a good interviewer. You're you're asking questions from real curiosity. And you know, that's not always the case. So I can see why the, the podcast is popular and, and uh, you know, it puts me at ease knowing that you kind of know what you're doing. Now, I'm already thinking that, but most people don't say those things. And because they don't say them, the relationship doesn't necessarily deepen or grow because uh, that connection hasn't been made. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about what I was feeling as you said that. And like that sense of validation immediately makes me want to reciprocate, right? And and uh, instinctively it makes me want to reciprocate and reach back out and connect with you because you've sort of seen me in a way that I want to be seen uh, on some level. And and in this case, it's like that I'm not trying to, to do anything impressive. I'm just trying to listen to you and, and understand uh, where you're coming from and what you want to communicate. and. So that way the people who are listening can get the best of, of this conversation because I understand that they are sacrificing uh, time to be with us where they could be with somewhere else. And so I want to be meaningful for them. And and so it's really interesting. I was thinking about what was coming up as you were doing that. And and, and, and is that sort of like the the gist of what happens when you use this or like what what's happening? How does this deepen connection? Well, if you if you look at the word intimacy, the instructions for creating it are kind of in the word, into me see. So when I reveal something about myself, it tends to lead to you revealing something about yourself, whether it be uh, completing the same sentence or saying how good that makes you feel. And it's by being vulnerable in these little moments that relationships deepen. You know, we all want that. We, we've all had that experience sometime in our life where, you know, you're vulnerable or somebody else is vulnerable. You connect. You really feel like you have a moment where you get each other and it feels really good that, that you know, that's going to be the highlight of your day or week or month. And yet most people don't know the methodology for getting there consistently. Now, I, I had no inherent skill in this. You know, I could barely talk, but... I found these methods that could consistently create feelings of intimacy with everyone I met. And it became a little bit like having a superpower, you know, like x-ray vision or something. And uh, I went from being the probably one of the least popular kids in high school to the kid most likely to succeed in three years just by using these methods. And now I've I've talked to over 200 million people through radio and you know TV and podcasts and live. And it's not because I'm a better person or 
I'm smarter or any of that stuff. It's basically because I learned how to communicate in ways that were uh, effective. And anybody can do that. I mean, Oprah's an interesting story because she was um, so poor, she never lived in a house that even had a toilet. And uh, she was put in the retarded people's class at school. Uh, she was raped twice by the time she was 14, had a stillborn child at 15. Well, that doesn't sound like the the upbringing of the most influential, most loved person who has ever lived on earth, which is what she currently is, according to studies. She's the most loved person on earth. So I asked Oprah, how'd that happen? And she said, well, I didn't have anything going for me other than the fact that I cared about people. So every day I vowed I would show people that I care and looks like that turned out pretty good. So what you're saying is like, just the act of um, showing people you care is reciprocated. Yeah, now there are very specific methods that help. Like what people really want is understanding and empathy. And if you learn how to give people understanding and empathy in very precise ways, then they will be incredibly attracted to you. Just like if you hand out $100 bills to people, they will be incredibly attracted to you for a different reason. <laughs> so, uh, well, I mean, that brought up like, what are some of those specific ways that that a person should try to create understanding and empathy if if they want connection? Well, one is to be a good listener, but as a technique, something that you can do is when somebody tells their story, you can say something like, it sounds like blank, and fill in the blank with 10 words or less that summarizes what they said. So right now I would say, it sounds like you're really curious to know what some of these methods are, you know, or it sounds like you really want to know this stuff. That would be me trying to understand you. I'm not mimicking your entire speech. I'm just in really three words or less. A lot of times if you watch Oprah, uh, she'll say, you know, frustrating, I, just like one word frustrating or you know that was stressful or wow you know it's it's not it's not rocket science it's actually just really being there and being with that person and saying a couple of key words that feed back their emotional experience uh in as few words as possible i'm assuming that makes them feel seen and understood exactly exactly and that's what people really really want you know, I um, <laughs> I was just at a seven-day retreat with a, a famous teacher you might know, Ajashanti. And he'd have people ask questions. He said, you know, come up one at a time and ask questions. I was amazed that nobody asked a question. You know, there's a seven-day retreat. There must have been 35 people who asked him questions, 40 people. And maybe of 40, maybe two people asked a question. The only what everybody wanted was for him to understand them. So they'd tell their whole life story and he'd go and he would do exactly this. And um, and people wanted to be seen. They wanted to be heard. They wanted to be understood. And if you have that ability, just like Oprah has that ability, then you're likely to be incredibly well loved because people are so hungry for that nowadays. I feel like this has a a very direct application to our most intimate relationships, whether it's with a wife or husband or girlfriend or boyfriend or partner or even siblings or immediate family member. I feel like this would help people work through a lot of conflicts with the people who are closest to them. Yeah, you know, people don't really care what you have to say until they feel that you care. And the way you show you your care is by understanding and empathy. And, you know, it really works with everybody. I uh, I was late for a plane recently, and they say, oh, you can't get on, you're too late. And, uh, you know, I was going to get upset, but instead I said, wow, it must be really hard to tell people they can't get on and know that, you know, this must be a really stressful job for you. And, you know, day in, day out, I'm really sorry that you have to do that. And her response was, 
Well, thanks for saying that. People don't understand how hard it is. You know, it really is hard. And wait, wait, wait. It's only a minute after the deadline. Here, let's get you on the plane. <laughs> that's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It was great. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Yeah, these are these are wonderful. What what are some other uh, strategies that uh, that we can all use to enhance our relationship, improve our communication? Well, there's a lot of fill in the blank statements in the More Love Less Conflict book. Um, in fact, I, I like asking, I like fill in the blank statements because they're so simple. I also like really simple questions. Um, I have a, a website, morelovelessconflict.com, which I have the 12 questions of instant intimacy. That's a free download people can get at the website. And these are questions that you can ask almost anyone at any time. And it almost always leads to an immediate, deep, intimate conversation. So one of the questions, for example, is uh, what's the most miraculous thing that you've ever experienced in life? Now, people love it talking about that stuff. So if I ask that to you, you're probably going to have some kind of story. And if I'm interested in that story, it's going to set up a bond between the two of us. So tell me, Christopher, what's something that's happened to you that's been miraculous in your life? That's been miraculous in my life. Um, I could see a lot of things, but I, I think one of the earlier memories is like when my baby brother was born. Like that, that was something that at a young age, like, like I would describe as miraculous. Um, a lot of things have happened since, but just like suddenly having a little brother and um and sort of becoming as i got a little bit older that like the consciousness of life and i think that that's one of the first things that pops in my mind and what's something in your life that's been miraculous what's been a miraculous moment in your life well i i just want to mention you know with your brother that that was like a moment where you realize wow life is miraculous like this is amazing and you know that feeling is one of the greatest feelings a human being can have so how how old were you when that happened? I mean, in some ways it happened with each of my each of my younger brothers, but I remember specifically like the third and fourth child because the first one's two and a half years younger than me, but then my third brother, like I was more conscious and then I was even more more conscious. He was born about three and a half years after him, so they're five, six years apart. And then the baby brother's twelve uh, twelve years younger and so um, it happened with each of my brothers, but I would say the third and fourth were the most significant, were more significant than the, than my first brother being born because I was more aware. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great experience. Um, I I've had a lot of miraculous things happen, but one that comes to mind is, um, me and about six friends were out in the Mojave desert playing music together at night and, uh, five transparent balls of light surrounded us uh, of different colors and they started making sounds in relationship to our music so they were kind of playing music with us whatever these things were uh, uh, I was with a spiritual teacher who said that those were angelic beings and we all saw them and they stayed with us for about 20 minutes and then they went off into the horizon and that struck me as pretty, you know, friggin' miraculous. And I can imagine, in, and there's a few things that come to my mind is, one, um, the type of question you asked, right? You asked something that that's not a conventional question, and it goes into sort of a deeper level of, I want to say being, but just of life of experience. And that's the first thing. And tell me if, if I'm off at any point, but this is what I'm picking up. So that's the first thing that I notice that you do. And I'm thinking about all these different ways that a person might, might do this. And I know you have examples on your side and in your book. Uh, but that's the first thing. The second thing I noticed is after you asked me that question, well, that, that question causes me to interrupt sort of my whatever pattern I might normally be in. And yeah, and, and really sort of like try to absorb the question and, and sort of think and feel through it. That's the next thing I notice. 
the third thing is instinctively I want to ask you the same question. So that's that's going to create a bond. The fourth thing is the way that you validated the question or validated my response. Like I felt like you were really listening to me um, as you repeated it back. Uh, the next thing I, I noticed is that I wanted to ask you additional questions. Like as you shared your story, I, I became more interested, possibly because it's interesting, but possibly because you were interested in my story. I don't really know what the dynamic is. I just know that I was more interested in your story. And my next question I want to ask you was, like, how did that feel? Like, what, I, I wanted to move into sort of deeper questions about your experience. And I feel like that those types of questions are going to build a deeper bond than if I was to ask you questions that are a little bit more heady or intellectual. Well, that was quite an analysis you had there, Christopher. <laughs> uh, that was uh, rather amazing. Uh, uh, yes, yes to all of the above. And um, one good question does tend to lead to another. And, and you know, if you give people the right method uh, that's easy enough, people dive in. So one question can lead to another, which can lead to another, and soon you're sharing deeply. And that's how friendships develop. That's how couples um, can get closer to each other. So it's not that hard, but it's not that easy either. If you don't have the right question, then, you know, people say, how was your day? Fine. How was yours? You know, like that. And, and you know, we're, we're suffering from a epidemic of divorce and loneliness and depression. And from my perspective, it looks like some very simple tools can get people to the love and peace that they're really wanting, but they tend not to know what those tools are. Yeah. And that's why we have you on here to try to make those tools more accessible. Um, can you give us a couple more examples of the types of questions someone might ask? And then I want to ask, then I want to talk about some more tools. Sure. Um, other questions could be, uh, what gives you your deepest satisfaction in your life nowadays? Uh, what was your very first impression of me? Uh, what's something that you appreciate about me? You know, there's, there's lots of good questions that lead to lots of good revealing. And uh, people can even make them up. But um, I found that there's the 12 questions that I like the most are on the website. And, and uh, you have to find a question that resonates with you, that you're really interested in. You know, I don't ask people questions that I'm not interested in because that wouldn't lead to the connection that I want. Um, and there's other ways of getting to that revealing. Like, as I mentioned, open-ended sentences like... Uh, if I say, if you really knew me, you would know blank. So Christopher, if you really knew me, you'd know. Um, I'm, I'm very passionate about communication, but I'm always a little worried. I might come off like uh, a salesperson or something. And I, I hate salespeople, so I don't want to come off that way. But I, I really do think this stuff changes people's lives. So um, I'm always balancing my my passion with making sure I don't sound like a, a cheap salesperson. And what does that do? Well, um, it, it's it's just a challenge on these interviews because if I if I spoke totally freely, I'd say, "Hey, if you have half a brain, you <laughs> need to you need what? to uh, learn a few simple communication methods, and it'll." transform your entire friggin' life in two hours, you know, but I got that. I'm on, and I'm on the same page with you. What I, what I meant was like, like that, that construction, right? Like when you're, you're yeah. sharing part of yourself and you're making yourself vulnerable. I, I wanted to explain, like, I wanted you to explain, like, what does that do? Like if you, if somebody were to do that with another person, like how would that potentially make them feel? Well, a lot of times, um, you can play it as a game. Like you can do three or four rounds of this where you, you both fill in the sentence, if you really knew me. So I did one, if I really knew you, Christopher, what would I know? Uh, if you really knew me, you would know that I'm intensely curious person and I really care about 
taking the things that I learned that are valuable to me and sharing them with other people who hopefully would find them valuable. Good. We'll do another round. If you really knew me, you'd know that I'm uh, ridiculously in love with my dogs. I kind of consider them my kids. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets a little embarrassing sometimes. Mm. Uh, if, if you really knew me, uh, you would know that uh, I love the outdoors and I love um, riding my bike and skateboarding and, and uh, don't necessarily love being in the office. <laughs> uh-huh. right, right. So, you know, by doing that a few times, you get to know somebody in a different way than if you're just conversing normally. And the same with the questions, you know, uh, there's also challenging questions. Like one thing, you know, to ask what, in your life do you deeply regret you know that that's getting a little bit deeper than so uh what do you do for work or you know uh how's your day or whatever people tend to ask you know we we've kind of sacrificed um depth and intimacy for quantity you know like people have a thousand facebook friends but a thousand facebook friends doesn't equal one really good friend who's there for you And we also have these things, I call them uh, WMDs, uh, not weapons of mass destruction, but widgets of mass distraction, which are now in our pockets. And they, they are good for communication, but only extremely superficial communication. You know, texting, email, even talking on the phone tends not to be nearly as intimate as person to person. So we, we are in this fast-paced culture or fast-paced culture in which we go for quantity rather than quality, and then we wonder why we feel lonely or depressed. Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchristmas.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. I was reading a book on Tantra uh, last night and one of the things that came up was that stimulus, like lots of stimulus, uh, reduces sensitivity. And and I thought about that. I mean, it was in the sexual context, but I thought about that in the context of just media. I know for myself, I uh, a while back, I started blocking all the news sites, all my social media apps. Like I just like really reduce the amount of things I can access on the internet from basically any time except from like 10 to midnight. And uh, unless it's essential and sometimes I'll have to break the pattern, but like even having to break the pattern forces me to consciously uh, know that I'm, I'm breaking the pattern because I have to put in my, my password and, and unblock myself. But it's allowed me to be a lot more present and be more sensitive and aware to people around me because I'm not overstimulated. And does this make sense? Yeah. You know, until a hundred years ago, you know, people lived on a farm. They had a few loved ones that they had very deep, intimate connections with, and they weren't subject to news or advertisements or any of these things. They, we were, we were a quality based life, but somehow technology has made us, so we have everything all the time, and we think that if we just consume more and more, that it's going to lead to happiness. But 
depression's up 500% in the last 50 years, so it's not working very well. Uh, and I think we have to get back to where we have less stimuli and we go more for depth, more for that experience, that, that time with your friend, however long ago it was, where you felt like it was just you and them and you both got each other and you went deep and it was, you know, you gave each other a hug and it was really wonderful. That's, that's more of what we want than, yeah, I texted 35 people today. Yeah, I, I get that. And I've been on both sides of that equation. And I would say like having less uh, people in my life with a lot more depth or a lot more deeper connection is like immensely more fulfilling. So I, I totally, I totally get that. The other thing you said earlier, you were talking about, you you asked that question, uh, what's the thing that you regret most? And so I thought about it. And as you said that, um, and I, pl I played this out as, as you said it. And I thought, well, for me, I would say before my dad died, like when I was a teenager, I, I at one point told me he wasn't a good dad and that I forgot all about it. I was just being a rebellious teenager. And then after he died, one of his coworkers told me I sat with your dad while he cried because you told him he wasn't a good dad. And that was like a immensely, um, like I carried that around for a long time. And, and so if somebody asked me that question and I were to answer that question, what I would want is somebody to to it's a form of a re release almost right and i would want somebody to sort of see me and understand that like that i was just a kid and that wasn't a big deal and they're not going to judge me for it and I, like so i would want that acceptance and i feel like if i was having that back and, conversa back and forth conversation with you or a partner or a girlfriend or whatever uh, or a close friend or somebody i was getting to know as human beings we want this from each other yeah, and, and we can only get it from each other and only from somebody that you respect. <clears throat> so I, I totally get that. And, you know, we all have things that we regret and those, those things can only be let go of and healed when they're witnessed by somebody who cares and cares in a non-judgmental way. Yeah, I, I mean, I use that example because hopefully it will, I mean, it will resonate with people who are, who are listening to this, but I was, yeah, I was sort of playing it out and thinking like, how, how does this make people bond? Like what, what is it about opening up about these things that we might feel ashamed of, or we might, um, hold regret with, or we have, as human beings, we have a tendency to carry around a lot of shit. And, uh, but it's like in the process of sharing, sharing these things and feeling accepted. Yeah. We, we tend to build these bonds that, can last our lifetimes yeah you know we bond through shared vulnerability and a lot of times people don't have a friend like that in their life that they can do that with or they don't know how to do it so in the more love less conflict book i i show how you can do that for other people how other people can do that for you with these very simple methods so you don't have to pay therapists thousands of dollars to just listen to you and do that because it's not necessary. What's necessary is that you be able to be real with the people in your life that you care about. What are some other, I mean, I think this is awesome. And um, when I'm on this podcast, I often have to use myself as an example. I don't have to, I choose to, because I, I want to try to show what this might feel look like for somebody who's listening so that they can connect, hopefully connect with the idea and figure out how to apply it. What are some other ways that, a person who's listening to this can create more vulnerability and connection. And vulnerability is a word that's become incredibly popular <laughs> in the last few years within the like communication, uh, connection, sort of consciousness uh, circles. But yeah, can you talk expand a little bit more about that and and maybe pull some more some, some more of these amazing tools from your book? Sure. Um, one very simple way is to complete this sentence. Right now, I'm feeling blank, and right now, I'm wanting blank. You know, the essence of a lot of our communication is really those two pieces of information that we rarely say directly. We go through all kinds of hoops uh, to, to be indirect because we don't want to be vulnerable. But when you reveal this information, it makes people understand you, first of all. And then it makes them tend to reciprocate. 
And then you kind of know where you're at. You kind of know, okay, this is where we're at. It's very hard to get to where you want to be if you don't know where you're at or if you don't know where your partner is at. So, you know, it, it doesn't have to be any revelatory thing. Like right now I'm feeling good because I feel like, you know, this interview is going well. And right now I'm wanting to give an example because I think that's going to help your listeners understand it better. But it, it, it's vulnerable to say those things. But what I like about it, it's like really mini vulnerability. You know, you don't have to say, okay, my worst, deepest, darkest secret <laughs> is this, you know? Yeah. How many times can you do that? But, you know, three or four times a day, I say to my friends or my my wife, you know, right now I'm feeling blank and I'm wanting blank. And uh, and it it is a very firm foundation because that is what's happening. And you're being very real with what, is happening and that's that's what um eventually leads to being able to get to where you want to go yeah i mean last night uh my wife is stressed out because she's she's going on a long trip and you know she has a lot of packing and you know she was kind of uh, a little bit upset at me and i said right now i'm feeling hurt that you didn't give me a hug when you came home and i'm really wanting a hug and reassurance because uh, I felt like you were a little um, rude to me. You know, would you be willing to give me a hug? And she said, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just stressed about the trip. And we hugged, and that was the end of it. But had I not done that, I would have felt hurt. She would have not known that. We would have been separate the whole night, and that's how arguments happen. That's a great story. And and for the people who are reading this, this is in chapter seven of the book under feelings and desires. And you also give uh, a bunch of examples of negative and positive emotions, right? Some of them, I'll just read some of them. Afraid, angry, ashamed, confused, detached, disgusted, exhausted, frustrated, hurt, jealous, miserable, overwhelmed, sad, upset, withdrawn. Those are some of the examples of negative, positive. It's affectionate, appreciate, appreciative, cheerful, content, ecstatic, excited, grateful, hopeful, loving, peaceful, relaxed, safe, secure, tender, warm, uh, uh, amused, calm, connected, curious. And the reason why I'm, I'm naming some of these off is because one of the things I've realized is oftentimes I think men don't, we suppress so much that we don't really have a very good vocabulary for expressing our feelings. I was with a group of guys last night and one of the guys was talking about something really intense that was happening with his mother who's um, in a nursing home, just like really some intense stuff. And every time I would ask him like how he's feeling or where he's like, how he's feeling that in his body, he would start explaining. And really like, it seemed like all he could feel was either happiness or, or, or he could really describe as either happiness or anger or frustration and i really like the the fact that you're you're one you're advocating doing this and, and you have an exercise for doing that because it allows guys who don't know how to do this and they're not connecting and don't know why uh, a way to do it and you also give you give uh, a vocabulary for some of these things that guys can identify and so i just thought i would i would throw that in there yeah, I, I do these things largely for me because, you know, uh, I'm your average guy. And, and I realize, you know, if somebody asks me how I'm feeling, I'll, I normally will say good or, you know, stressed or something like that. But if I have a, a, a multiple choice of 20 possible terms, I can say, oh, I'm feeling sad right now or I'm feeling hurt, which I didn't have that in my mind before, but if I'm looking at these words or I'm feeling really um, connected to you, uh, that helps to describe where I am in more specific terms. And like a good map, the more you can describe yourself accurately, the more you can get to where you want to be. Yeah, it's great. In, in your book, I'm going to ask you a couple other um, questions from your book. You talk about the lights, yellow light and red light. Can you explain what the lights analogy is about about for the listeners? Sure. Um, you know, my wife and I have been together 20 years, and early in our relationship, we'd argue a lot. And uh, that was no fun. So we came up with a method, and just to simplify it, I'll, I'll call it the yellow light method, 
which is if we're starting to get upset at each other and we're feeling that momentum of anger or blame that can happen, either one of us can say the words yellow light, which I like because it's only two words. And I even when I'm upset, I can remember two words. And when we say yellow light, that means that we have to take a two-minute time out and be quiet and just hold hands together. And when we do that, what happens is it gives us time to calm down, to reevaluate what we're going to say. And it has virtually ended all our arguments in the last few years. We haven't had any because if we're moving in that direction, we just throw in this little monkey wrench, take two minutes to relax, and then we can re-engage from a, a more loving place. So, I mean, it's incredibly simple. Probably 90% of the couples I've given this to, it has eliminated 100% of their arguments. Just two words. That's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that, that is amazing. I, one of the things I was thinking about as you said that is that oftentimes when we are, like we're first activated by another person or like emotions start to come up, we just talked about it. You might not be able to name it. <laughs> and you might not be able to quite identify what it is. You just know you're feeling things and you react to them and then the other person reacts. So this is kind of a cool way to pause things and process what it is that's going on so that way you can hopefully not only create some space to to let that reaction sort of uh, work through your body, but also a way to articulate what's going on with you. Absolutely. You know, we, we can end up getting into our lizard brain and our lizard brain is is, you know, who's right, who's wrong, who's going to survive. But that doesn't help in a relationship. You know, never once have I blamed my wife and told her how wrong she was, where she responded by saying, oh, yeah, now I see what you're talking about. Thank you for showing me the errors of my ways. You know, that's never happened, Christopher. So we, we think that blame or conquering our partner is going to work, but it doesn't. So we have to le learn ways to uh, go around that and take responsibility, focus on appreciation, focus on ways to work things out effectively and efficiently. And all those are tools that most people never learn in life. You know, it's like if you're flying a plane uh, and you have no training, that plane's probably going to crash. Now, if you're flying a plane and you had an hour of training, you still might be able to land that plane in one piece. And most people haven't actually even had an hour of communication training in their entire life, despite the fact that that's what they're doing every waking moment. We just sort of kind of talked about it, but um, you talk about trigger questions and you have a series of, of questions for somebody to do an evaluation of themselves. Can you talk a little about triggers and, and your thoughts around trigger questions? Well, the thing, the, the whole idea of triggers is when you're in a relationship, really anyone, it could be a friendship or a marriage or a partnership, you, you f eventually find out that that person has triggers. Like if you bring up their mother situation, <laughs> you're going to end up in bad territory. And we also have triggers, you know, that if you talk about uh, that I'm too loving and focused on my dogs, you know, I'm going to get defensive. So one of the things you can do is just identify what those triggers are with your partner and what they are in yourself so you know not to step on those landmines. You know, that that's helpful. Uh, <laughs> you can eliminate half the disagreements, half the bad feelings in a relationship by let's just uh, agree that if we're going to have, if we have to talk about these issues, let's do it in writing because every time we talk about them verbally, it doesn't go well. Uh, that's one thing you can do. Um, so you want to know what your triggers are. You want to know what your partner's triggers are. And then you want to discuss, well, how should we deal with this? You know, how can we uh, make it so that this stuff doesn't come up? Or how can we talk about it in a new way or anything? And that's a, a real um, powerful way to have less conflict in your relationship. That's awesome. In chapter 23, you talk about taking responsibility. Can you talk about what you mean by that and why it's important? Well, what normally happens in relationships is everybody's looking who's to blame. You know, it's not me, so it must be you. 
and as I mentioned before, and blame never works. So what does work is uh, a simple fill-in-the-blank statement. I call it the responsibility uh, sentence. And that is um, to say, one way I see that I contributed to this upset is. And then you fill in whatever way you see that you may have contributed. Now, it might be, as is often the case with me and my wife, that I feel like I contributed 2% and she contributed 98%. Now, don't tell her this, Christopher. Hopefully, she's not listening. (laughs) But that's how it feels at the time. But when I take responsibility for that 2% that I feel like I really did contribute, and I do it specifically, it relaxes her defensiveness and it almost always leads to her saying how she felt she took how she was contributing to the upset and that's the holy grail of what i'm looking for do you see what you did you know and she's saying the same thing to me so when we both say how we contributed it relaxes our our lizard brain And it makes it much easier for us to get back to a place of love and forgiveness. Whereas if we're both showing evidence of how wrong the other person is, the exact opposite happens. And that sort of leads into another chapter you have in the book, um, chapter 28, which you say, apologize sincerely. Because we all have have fights and things come up. And... uh, if we're wrong, or let's say we, or maybe if we're not wrong, like what, what is the importance of apologizing and how does that affect our relationships? Well, if you've ever gotten a really good apology from someone, it's almost like a magical spell. Uh, it's so rare nowadays that, that you may not have gotten one, but uh, if you have, it really can change things around incredibly quickly. So, for example, last night when my wife got kind of was rude to me and I said what I was feeling and wanting, she said, well, I'm sorry, I'm just you know stressed with this trip. I, I, I hope I didn't hurt your feelings. That was a quick apology. And once she said that, I totally forgave her and we hugged and it was great. Now, had she said instead, why are you so sensitive? Why, why do you need a hug all the time? you know, we'd probably be fighting now. So apology can be something very simple and quick, and it almost always leads to an immediate letting go of grievance and getting back to a place of love. And when you can go from anger to love in a minute, I think of that as a communication miracle, because love is a miracle. You know, love's probably the most important thing in life. And yet we don't study it. We don't realize that there's a, a method to the madness. There's a method to, to, the, to the ability to create love consistently. And luckily there is. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's great. And your book is definitely a model for that. For some, Let's say somebody's listening to this and they're a young guy and, and they're, sort of, they're alone and they feel alone. They haven't really had good mo- uh, models. Maybe they are, especially ma- male models. Um, they haven't really been feeling loved, right? And so there's maybe there's an absence of that in their lives and they have a hard time even imagining sort of what what that is or maybe they've forgotten or never fully experienced it. How does somebody who's coming from that place begin to even know what some of these things that you're talking about are and feel like? Yeah, how do they become acquainted with them? Well, I mean, you're really talking about me in my younger days, so I'm very familiar with it. You know, the great thing is you don't have to know how anything works. I have no clue how my iPhone works, um, but that doesn't prevent me from using it and getting the results I want. So all they really have to do is try some of the things. You know, like everybody can fill in the blank. Something I notice about you I appreciate is. Or, or right now I'm feeling, right now I'm wanting. You know, these are, are really, really simple methods. And, you know, gravity works. You don't have to know how gravity works. Nobody knows how gravity works. 
but you know uh, that doesn't prevent you from skateboarding and knowing how it works or catching a fly ball. So if you do these very simple methods, you'll find that people just gravitate towards you and you'll find that there's a certain emotional depth and connection that just happens automatically. And once you find something that works, you keep it going and and soon your life is transformed because you can create moments of connection and intimacy wherever you go. Yeah, I think this is absolutely great. And for someone who's listening to this, I literally have the book in my hand. And so, so much of what Jonathan's talking about is in the book. I mean, he's, he's sprinkled things in, but there's a chapter on writing things down and um, all the stuff he's sprinkled through are chapters or subsections in the book. And there's, there's so much here. I know we're getting sort of short on time. Any sort of last sort of suggestions, thoughts, uh, words of wisdom for the people who are listening to this who want to build, go out there and build build better relationships. I also think the other people who listen to this who I think it would be really pertinent for are people going through breakups who are trying to figure out maybe there's something might uh, might be there, but they didn't have that connection and they uh, want to go back and they need new tools to go back and, and try to reestablish connection or, or create connection that was never there. But I'm just that just sort of popped in my mind. But yeah, any last sort of words of wisdom for our listeners? Yeah, you know, I'd say that what really makes people happy is the quality of their relationships. And what determines the quality of our relationships more than anything else is how well we communicate. Now, I find it interesting that although that's so important in life, we never get a class in it. Most of us aren't taught it. We might think we're good communicators, but it's really a skill and I can't think of any other skill that you can literally get 100% better in an hour and it can then affect the entire rest of your life. And not only your life, it affects your kid's life, your partner's life, your coworker's life. Uh, so I, it, to me, it's like, you know, if you invest an hour, you get $10 million. Do you want to invest the hour? You know, I would say, yeah, most people should say yes, because most people when they look back on their life, they're going to think, well, how much love was there in my life? And uh, whether it be my book or other people's books on communication and relationships, to invest in yourself and learn a little bit, because there's some really simple advanced technologies that can give you this superpower. And when you have it, everything else seems to change. Jonathan, this is awesome. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. And if you're listening, you want to learn more about Jonathan, his book or books, uh, and so much of the things that he's doing, I'm going to post some links on the Craft of Charisma website and within the description of this podcast so that you can find out about him more easily. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. My pleasure, Christopher. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, Go to the Craft Charisma website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.